Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the pulpit. We're right in the middle of a series called Shades of Grey. We're really excited about this. And, and really what our, our objective and our purpose in this series is to identify what does the Word of God have to say about the areas in our life that we might consider gray areas. There are some things that we know are right and wrong. I, I think if we took a poll in this auditorium, my hope and my prayer would be if we said, is it okay to murder someone? My prayer is 100% of you would say, no, it's not okay, right? And, and so we talked through some of that over the last couple of weeks, and we've been trying to find out what about the things that aren't the big areas, like not, not murder, but the little things like lying and cheating and gossip and bears, oh my, and... No. Listen, this is going to be a long sermon unless you laugh. So fake laugh, whatever you got to do. But this series is about identifying what does God's word say about me and my life and how I live my life, especially in the gray areas. And so we're excited about it. We're talking about some topics that can seem controversial. Uh, we're, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what the Word of God has to say about drinking and other types of addictions. We're going to talk about what the Word of God says about sexuality. And, uh, and we're excited about that, so make sure you don't miss it. We figured we wouldn't talk about sexuality on Father's Day. Let's make it kind of fun and exciting. And uh, so we're going to talk about um, a very exciting topic, but I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Can we just pray to get this thing rolling? Is that cool? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. Once again, we thank you for all the dads who are here, the dads-to-be and the people who have got great dads in their life or anything that they're facing, God, this day in relation to fathers. I just pray that you'd lean in. Help us to see your purpose and your plan for our lives, that we can be a better follower of you in every area. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, good job, good job. Okay, so listen, I, I, I grew up in Dallas and uh, which means I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan that has nothing to do with my sermon today. But now I should find out who the godly people are. And, uh, and we moved and we did a stint in Arizona. I call it a stint because when it's 100 in hell in June, it's like prison. And uh, your, your electric bill in your house skyrockets by three to $400 a month. It's nuts. But uh, had a great time connecting with people there. But there's some interesting cultural dynamics in the Southeast Valley of Phoenix. It's like 50-50, almost completely developed, but there are still pockets that are not developed called county islands. They've not been incorporated into the city, so you can live there and have agriculture and have cows and cattle and stuff like that. It's just kind of this weird dynamic. So you have these amazing houses and neighborhoods, and then all of a sudden you're driving past, and right there will be like rows of corn or cattle sitting there and eating grass that we don't even know how it grows in the desert, but it does. It's an anomaly. And one day, my wife and I were headed to the airport. It was at night, and we literally looked about two miles up in the distance, and we could see flames the size of this building, just huge, like bigger than anything I've ever seen in my life. Now, mind you, I haven't seen a lot of things burning bigger than, you know, about this big with hairspray, but uh, we drove, and we, we got to go see what this is. And we got close. Stop judging me. How many of you have issues with, when you were a kid, you burned things? Raise your hands. How many of you as an adult, you burn things? Raise your hand. Yes, okay. It's godly people right here. We drive up and we see this house that's on a county island that is literally engulfed in flames. It was insane. And, and when you see that kind of tragedy, you cannot help 
but be overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, this is horrific. You're wondering, is everybody okay? And as we got closer and closer, we saw rows of fire engines, three to four of them, firemen standing all around, and they were watching as the house was literally burning to the ground. It was a very interesting dynamic. Now, I know we have a lot of firefighters here, so please bear with me as I tell this story. But we found out that this is a county island, and they don't pay for fire services that the city provides. So the firemen showed up, knocked on the door to make sure everyone was safe. They all got out, and then they sat back with all the tools and the resources to help put out this fire. But because of the bureaucracy of the leadership, they did nothing. Now, I don't, I don't fault the firefighters. They were just doing what they were told because their life insurance isn't covered if they're on County Island putting out a fire. Because the consequences might become a little too great, so they have to sit back because their leadership said, don't do anything. And this house burnt to the ground. Now, what followed after the, the, the few weeks after that, the mayor, the city council, they, it was crazy. There's massive amounts of fights and lawsuits and they ultimately adjusted the ruling on that so that the firemen could come in regardless and try to save the property. But I begin to think about this, and I wonder how many of us in this life have friends and coworkers and neighbors and family members who are making decisions or living life in a disastrous manner, and we have the resources and the insight and the instruction, and we're connected to a Savior who can help and bring hope and future, but like these firefighters, we tend to just sit back and watch because maybe it's not my place to lead. Maybe it's not my place to say something. What if they freak out or they think I'm an idiot or what if they reject me? So let me just step back and do nothing and just focus on me and my family. I just wonder how many of us as Christ followers in opportunities when we could be leading and influencing and pointing people to Jesus, saying, hey, there's hope for your marriage. Your teenager might be going crazy, but there's still a future. Hey, God's grace is sufficient. Hey, your marriage can't. You can raise your kids different. You don't have to go through high school and college wandering aimlessly. There's purpose. There's destiny. I wonder what would happen if Christ's followers, not just pastors, But Christ's followers said, hey, guess what? I believe I have a standard to set and I am called to lead. The question is today, on Father's Day, did God call each of us as Christ's followers to lead? I feel like so often we kind of take the back seat for whatever reason. And today I want to challenge you. I want to bring some scripture as a reference to this. And I'm not just talking to dads in the household. I'm talking to those of you and me, all of us that sit in this room today and say, I am a Christ follower. That's what this series Shades of Grey is about. Those of us who say, yes, I've given my life to Jesus, but I still have this gray area, but I'm not sure what the word of God says. And I want to challenge you. And my hope would be that by the end of the day today, in four and a half hours when I dismiss you, that you'll say, you know what, I am called to lead. I think Jesus had an opinion on this topic. He's kind of a cool guy, kind of an authority on the subject. You know, it's always interesting when you think about someone in their last moments on earth, the words that they speak 
typically are some of the most important words they can share. Right? My dad passed away just a few months ago, and my last conversations with him were, son, I'm so proud of you. Son, make sure you lead your family. Hey, don't forget what God's done in your life. Those are the words that he was sharing to me. Why? Because in the last moments of his life, he knew what was the most important. And so we, we see Jesus now in the last moments here on earth. And he's got his closest crew, 120 to 150 people, maybe a few more. We don't really know for sure. And he gives them a few words of instruction. And we read this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Pause right there. You know what he's saying? Hey, guess what, guys? I went to the cross. I died for humanity. And I defeated death's sting. Death no longer has its hold. You don't have to be live as slaves to sin. The enemy has no power, no authority. When I said it is finished, guess what? It is finished. The fat lady has sung, we have done it. Boom, boom, pow, like a boss. I'm sure he dropped the mic and he walked off. He said, all authority has been given to me. Guess what? I've paid the price for humanity, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 19, he says, go. Just says, go. Go. In fact, when you translate this scripture, this word go, literally, it means to go over, to lead over. Like when God told Joshua to take and go into the promised land. He said, Joshua, lead the people into the promised land. To lead over. He says, okay, look, I've paid the price. All authority is mine. Now it's up to you to go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Was he talking to just pastors? Just people who are called to full-time ministry? No, he's call, talking to Christ's followers. See, all authority is mine, and now it's time for you to go and make disciples. He said, hey, guess what? You have been called to lead. You have been called to lead. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I believe this, that as a Christ follower, this isn't a shade of gray. But we are called to lead. Non-negotiable. We're called to lead. God's given us hope and a future and a destiny. And guess what? He's dropped us right in the center of a sphere of influence, specifically targeting your gifts, your strengths, your talents, knowing your weaknesses and your mess-ups and your faults and your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups. And he still said, hey, guess what, guys? It's time to go. And I want to challenge you with three things to remember as a Christ follower when it comes to leadership. Number one, the time for silence is over. The time for silence is over. It's not okay for us to be silent any longer. It's not okay to us, for us to sit back and do absolutely nothing. Paul wrote a letter to a follower named Timothy. And he unpacks this amazing uh, storyline for a young leader. As he's talking to a young man who's been called to pastor one of the largest churches in the early church days. In fact, historians believe that if you were to equate it to now, it would be between 250,000 to half a million people. And the young man that Paul was writing to, they believe, was right around the age of 30. 
He was a pastor of a church in Ephesus, which they said was the gateway to Asia. This young man had been called to pastor the people, and Paul writes him a letter. And when he addresses this letter, he says, I, Paul, an apostle of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means this isn't just a private letter between a mentor and a mentee. I hate that word. Between a coach and a player. He's saying, hey, I'm Paul, an apostle. What Timothy didn't need to know who Paul was. That right there is saying this is for all Christ followers. This is a letter for you and for me. That's what I love about my Bible. It transcends every age and every generation. It's as powerful now as it was back then. And so Paul writes a letter to his mentee. I hate that word. I'm going to say it three more times before the sermon is over. Mentee. That's one. Keep counting. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he says this. Let no one despise you. For your youth. We'll pause right there. Some of you are thinking, I ain't a youth anymore. That's okay. That's all right. He said, let no one despise you for your youth. What was he saying? Hey, Timothy, I understand what you're going to identify as a limitation. But do not allow that to stop you from leading. So what is the limitation that you would allow to stop from leading in your sphere of influence? I'd say this, don't allow your blank to stop you from leading. You can fill that word in with maybe inadequacy. If I'm Timothy and I'm leading 250,000 some odd people and I'm only 30, maybe I got a kid, maybe not, I don't know. I'm going to feel a little inadequate to lead these people. I've never led that many people before. Paul, do you realize it's just me, man? I, I know we hung out, and man, I'm so grateful for our mentor-mentee relationship, and I'm really grateful for that right now. But, but really, to lead these people, how? You know, they didn't congregate in one place; they met in homes, all throughout the region. That takes a lot of organization. You know, I think sometimes we just think it was just some this like crazy organic, and it just happened to show up. There was no Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or emails. We're talking about some serious organization. And they're passing around these, these handwritten documents that came from Paul. And a scribe sat down and he copied it word for word. And they would spread it around. And, and these people meeting in a home, 25, 30 people, would get this piece of papyrus paper. And they'd say, okay, listen, there's a guy named Paul. And he was once a persecutor of the church. But God did something radical. And listen to what he's saying. Don't stop leading because of an inadequacy. It could be fear. I don't know if I can, what if I fail? What if I fail? What if you do? We just try again. What if you succeed? You know, when we started this church, I was so concerned, man, what if nobody comes? And people did. And I thought, nobody's going to come next week. I was so concerned about failure. The Holy Spirit tapped on my shoulder and he said, hey, if one person says yes to Jesus, would it be a failure? I said, no. So if we lead by just presenting the gospel and the hope in the future, can we fail? I don't think so. Don't allow you fill in the blank to stop you. For many of you, it might be your past. You just don't know. You don't know where I've been. What I've done or what I haven't done. You said it today, Pastor Kerry. It's Father's Day and all I'm reminded of today is what I promised I would change this past year. And I, another Father's Day. 
man, and I see my wife, and I see what she's doing, and I just, she loves God, and I'm trying, but it's just so hard to read the Bible, and so I feel like it's going to be another year of the same. Just fill in that blank. Paul said, hey, don't let anyone despise you from your, because of your youth. He said, don't allow your limitation, your inadequacy, your insecurity, your past, don't allow rejection to keep you silent. I believe that when we allow the blank to shut us up, silence becomes the enemy of the good news. I feel like that's pretty powerful. I needed a, a little deeper, mm. Oh, man. You guys are great mentees. It's this mustache power, I feel it. I believe that when we allow our blank to shut us up, silence becomes the enemy of the good news. And I I, I wrote good news here on purpose. Because the, the gospel is referred to as the good news. So it's not just about proclaiming Jesus, but it's about proclaiming a better way of life. It's about proclaiming there's hope for your marriage. Find Jesus and now you got to work on it. Are y'all tracking with me? Hey, you can raise your kids in a better way than that. You can make it through college. You can find a career that lines up with your passions. Do you know what God created you to do? There's hope for that. I like what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, in the end, we will be remembered not for the words of our enemies, but for the silence of our friends. How many times do we see people in our sphere of influence heading in directions that's, that's disastrous and we step back and we do or say nothing? The time for silence is over. Now, what I'm not encouraging you to do is to go buy a soapbox and a bullhorn and stand at your cubicle and say, turn or burn, get right or get left, you're going to hell in a handbasket. Except for that lady, maybe her, but that's it. I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not asking you to go get a, a t-shirt that says Jesus saves and you suck. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I, what, that, is not, that is not the answer to this. Are you tracking with me? It is not the answer to this. Our goal is to add value to those around us, not to detract from it. Right? Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. And if we're sucking the life out of people, are we really being Christ followers? Pastor Kerry, I'm so confused. Is silence the answer or not? I don't know. What am I supposed to do? (laughs) It's a good question. Guys, we're dismissed. If y'all go ahead and... I believe that we are called to build relationships with people so we can earn the right to speak into their life. And see, we stop there. Because if I keep it surfaced, I don't have to say anything. I know my friend could do better, but if I just keep it, we just talk about sports and spreadsheets. And while we're frustrated with our boss, then I don't have to tell him that he does not have to keep acting that way. So when do I know? How do I know when to speak? How do I know when to speak? Here's the first thing. Number one, ask yourself, am I open to input from someone else? Right, Jesus said, stop looking at the splinter in your brother's eye when there's a plank in your own. So if you found a way, man, I'm just going to spread the truth and tell people about Jesus, but you don't let somebody speak into your life, then it is time for silence. Maybe you should shut your mouth and lock it up. So ask yourself, before you start to talk, ask yourself, listen, I know this may sound silly, but I want to bring some practicals, because you go to work tomorrow. 
And you might feel great today, and we're going to get some root beer and hot dogs right now. Awesome, but we're still called to leave tomorrow. And if you and I don't know how, we're in trouble, right? So ask yourself, am I open to input from others? Ask yourself this question. Have I made enough deposits into their life, enough encouragement and affirmation? Have I spent enough time with that person that I've earned the right to speak into their life? And then try this. Ask them if they're open for input. Don't just assume. Say, hey, can I, can I just push on that? Well, you know, I, what? have you ever asked yourself, is there another way to go about A, B, or C? And then they could say yes or no. It's fine. Most people will say yes out of awkwardness, but hey, that's their fault, not yours. Then pull out your bullhorn. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Just remember this. The time for silence is over. It's over. But also remember this, that the greatest words that you can speak is a life centered on Christ. The most powerful words that you can speak sometimes aren't even words at all. But it's merely saying, hey, this is how you can live life. Paul goes on. He says, hey, listen, Timothy. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Set an example in speech. Set an example in speech. The way that you speak. Hey, does the kindness in your voice inspire your children to be kind? Especially when you're ticked. The other day, I heard my, my 11-year-old yelling at my 6-year-old like a, like a stinking prison cop. I'm like, what in the world can a 6-year-old Olaf possibly do to deserve that? And I, where did she learn to talk to this kid? And I storm in there, and I'm like, hey, you don't talk to your sister like that. You're not her parent. And it hit me as the words were coming out of my, where did she learn to talk like that? From Megan. I got it right then. That was good. That one just came to me just right now. (laughs) The words left my mouth. You're not her parent. And then I realized I had not set a great standard in my speech for my daughter. Now, I can tell her to speak kindly. I can tell her to treat her sister with honor. But if when I speak, the tone or the words that come out of my mouth don't show honor, that's so much louder than what I instruct my daughter to do. I repented. I went to my wife and I was like, man, we got a lot of work. I'm going to beat her, but we've got a lot of work. (laughs) We're in Southern California. That's proverbial, right? That's not real. Set an example in conduct. Do you cut corners at work? Do you, go, do you go the easy route? Do you settle for mediocrity? Do you show up late every day? Call your friend and have them punch in for you? Maybe your salary, do you show up late? Is that okay? I mean, y'all are all on time today for church, and we're so grateful for that. But... Um, Think about it. I'm a Christ follower. I'm living my life to set an example because I've been forgiven much. My life has been changed. My eternity is set because of the work of Jesus, but I don't value your time enough to get here 
15 minutes earlier. Right? Are you the greatest employee at your job? Are you the greatest employer? Your conduct. When someone cuts you off on the highway, do you point to Jesus with an awkward hand motion? (laughs) Please take off the Movement Church sticker from your car. (laughs) Right? (laughs) How about when you're ticked off? How do you react? How do you react when you're ticked off? Right, that's the hard one, isn't it? And, and sometimes justifiably. I set an example in conduct. You ever been around somebody in the midst of pressure who had every right to be ticked and they just handled it like a pro? And you're like, I love that. What is that doing? It's setting an example in conduct. Hey, Christian, you're called to lead. In speech, in conduct, and in love, do you love from the center of who you are or only when it benefits you? Do you put others' needs, dreams, desires, and ambition above yourself? Would you give up everything for them? Would you? Set an example in faith. Is your first response prayer? I can be honest, this one I struggle with. My, I, my first response is, okay, what's, what's the solution? All right, let's talk, let's get together, let's connect, let's figure this thing out. This is the problem, this is what we're trying to accomplish. And then usually it's like tier two or three, and they go, hey, you know, let's just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. What am I saying? Oh, hey, thank you, God, for freedom and grace, right? And the scripture said, hey, I'll be with you to the end always. Thanks for that, but I got this one under control. That's faith in me. Does that mean that if you don't pray first, you're going to hell? Yes. No. But this is a great way to set an example. I mean, imagine if your friend comes and says, man, I'm really, our finances are rough and I'm trying to get this promotion. Can you figure out how to, is there something I could be doing? I said, well, hey, why don't we just pray real quickly? Can I pray for you? Well, I don't really believe in God. That's cool. He believes in you. Can we just pray for a minute? And don't get weird. Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, come. Hand on your forehead. Somebody give me some olive oil quickly. In Jesus' name. <laughs> right? Don't do that. <laughs> That's weird. Just, just say, hey, God, you, you've got the solution. Can you do work right here? And my brother doesn't believe in you, but you believe in him, so let's just show him how awesome you are. Right? That's faith. Go, man, hey. Listen, I don't have the answers here. I'm just going to check in with the dude who created all of the earth. (laughs) Are you consistently in his house? Like, right? The Lord says, "I, I will dwell here, right? This is his house. It's a theater, I know. Regal built it, but God gave those people breath. And he inhabits the praises of his people, right? Are you consistently here? Is it always some excuse until it rains and you can't go to the beach or to the pool? You're like, dang it. 
we'll stay for a movie. It'll make it worth it. <laughs> Are you tracking? I mean, you, if, you, if you don't like the movement church, that's cool. Find a church you like to be at consistently. Right? Because there's a lot of great churches around here that are Christ-centered and Bible-based, and we're all on the same team. So be there consistently. You can miss Sundays. Cool. But don't find excuses not to go. Let me ask you this one. This is a good one. Do you know that you know that you know that he will take care of it? Maybe that's a good place to start. And, you know, listen, it's okay if you don't. It's okay to pray this. Hey, would you help my unbelief? That's okay. What's this saying? God, I'm struggling with having faith in you. And he's like, thank you for being honest and open. Let me help. Set an example of faith. Hey, Christian, you're called to lead. Purity. Purity. Do you place the scripture standard above yours? Do you want so desperately to please God that it drives your every decision? Not out of, I have to do this because the Bible says this, but no, man, God paid the ultimate price. He sent his son, and man, I just, my response to that is love. I'm married to my wife, but I don't have to be. I choose to, right? And she loves me so much because I'm so awesome. Her response is to do anything I ask. That is not true. She told me I look like a dirty cop today. On Father's Day. Would y'all pray for her? (laughs) Paul says, set the example, verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. That's another reference to being in church. Verse 14, don't neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. What's he saying? Hey, listen, there's a gift inside of you. Don't be silent. Christian, you're called to lead. So lead, it's in there. Well, I don't know what to say. That's okay, just start by saying something. Hey, I think there might be a different way to live. Well, how? I don't know, but let's talk through it. Right? In fact, I believe there's a scripture that says, when you speak, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to share. So don't neglect that. Well, I don't know if I know the word like you do, Pastor Kerry. That's okay. Just lead. Nobody ever got frustrated if someone else was saying, hey, I believe you can do better. There's something amazing inside of you. Nobody said, shut up and get thee behind me for believing in me. <laughs> ever. So believe in them. So, man, there's something inside. I love your passion for life. And I just, can I help? Can I walk through life with you? And let's just see what God can do. Christian, you're called to lead. You're called to lead. He goes on, he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Fan the flame of the gift of God in you and don't quit. Don't give up. Immerse yourself in leading people. Why? I believe this is number three. Because eternity may hang in the balance. Eternity may hang in the balance. He goes on and he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this for by doing so, you will save both yourself And your hearers. Hey guys, eternity may hang in the balance. Eternity may hang in the balance. Can everybody just look at me for the last three minutes of this service? 
Do you realize that God in His sovereignness plucked you out of obscurity with your challenges, your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, your issues, your past, your gifts, your talents, your strengths, and He sets you down right in the midst of the sphere of influence of your neighborhood, your job, your Starbucks, your school, your college classroom, your mom pickup line, your soccer team, your child's soccer team, your dog park, whatever it is. He did that because you have something unique inside of you. A voice. That if we'll be persistent in knowing how to build relationships and invest into people. Why? So that we can bring hope, not condemnation. Not even conviction, because that's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But to say, hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a purpose and a destiny. Your marriage can get better. Your kids can get better. You can get better. It's written in the Word. Why do I know that? Because God's at work in me. I'm not perfect. I'm a little jacked up. It's true. Some of you are a lot jacked up. But I just can't be silent because I know there's more for you. And the truth is that the convictions of my, my heart, the very essence of who I am, I know I'm called to lead, so I've got to speak up. It's not a shade of gray for me. And what you don't realize is that you may be the very person that God uses to help people say yes to Jesus. We are headed at life speed towards eternity. You know what made that real for me? Jurassic World, the movie. (laughs) It's pretty good. Crazy thing, the dinosaurs try to kill the people. Spoiler alert. Nothing like the first three at all. (laughs) As I sat in this theater, watching that movie with my family, Pulled out my ticket stub. We were at opening day. 23 years earlier. I stood outside of a theater in Plano, Texas with my dad. For opening day of Jurassic Park. If I had known then. Only 23 years left. Right? What would I have done differently? I'm grateful for the role he played. But it just hit me. 23 years is not long at all. And my dad knew the Lord and led in an amazing way. But what about the people that you live next to and in maybe just a year or two you move and you're no longer sitting next to their house? What about the guy in the cubicle next to you who's currently looking for a new job? You've got six weeks, maybe six months top. Are you investing in his life so that you've earned the right to speak into it and bring hope? Well, it's just not my job. So I'm going to sit back, watch the house go up in flames and do nothing. And I've got all the tools that I need. But you don't know, you don't realize my past, my inadequacies, my fears. Let no one look down on you because of your blank. But set an example in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Nowhere in there does it say to be perfect and make no mistakes. 
He just says, set an example. For how long? Until he comes back. Keep it up. Stay plugged into the house. Why? Because it may lead to salvation. Christian, you are called to lead. Non-negotiable. Not a question. Not up for a vote. And you are equipped to do it. Sure, you can get better. But we try. We may fail sometimes, but God's right there. And I believe if we are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus and preaching the good news, that we just can't fail. In fact, the Bible says that if we just exalt and lift up Jesus, he will draw all men and women unto him. Christian, you're called to lead. Moms, you're called to lead. Future moms, you're called to lead. Dads, you're called to lead. Future dads, I think that covers everybody. You're called to lead. You're called to lead, non-negotiable. And let's start this thing today. Dads, I don't care what your past was like. I don't care what 2014 and 15 was like. You got a brand new day starting right now. So be the dad you're called to be. Y'all tracking? We're called to lead, not a shade of gray. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And lo, I will be with you always. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me just take a moment and talk to those of you who are here that may be wavering in your faith. And you just say, man, I don't know what I I believe. I know what I feel. And I, I just feel what you're talking about is real, but I feel a gap this massive chasm between me and God or like this ceiling, like I get so close, but yet he's so far away. And you know what? The Bible talks about that gap and it says that it's a sin gap. And hey, listen, calm down. The Bible also says that everybody seated in this room has sin. None of us are exempt from it. And that the consequences are very grave. It's death and an eternity in hell. But the Bible offers a radical solution. The gift of God. He gave his son Jesus. Who lived on this earth a sinless life. And he died on the cross. Paying the consequence and the ransom. For your sin and mine. It makes it where we can have a relationship with God on this earth today. Closes the gap that we can spend an eternity with him. And it's free. You don't have to get perfect. You can't work to attain it. You can't be in church long enough to receive it. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. And he'll give you the strength to work on the rest. If you're here today and you've never made that faith declaration, it's not about becoming a member of the movement church. It's about saying yes to Jesus. If you're here and you've never done that, we're not going to embarrass you. But right where you're seated in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me right here in your heart. Make that faith declaration. Jesus, I give you my life. And if you're here today and you've been running, maybe many of you have been turning away from the opportunity to lead, sitting back and doing nothing when you could be doing more. Many of you may be running from God's purpose on your life. If that is you, today's the day to come back. As we pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart, just give, do make a recommitment to him. Saying, God, today on Father's Day 2015, I'm turning a new leaf and running after you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving. We're almost finished here today.
If you're here, you've never made, said this prayer, made this faith declaration, or it's time to come back, then right where you're at, I want you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. But I want everyone in this room to pray this out loud so no one is, uh, feels ashamed or embarrassed. Everyone just repeat this after me and give it all you've got. Just say, dear God. Come on, say, dear God. I know you're real. I know you love me. You've given me purpose. I've got sin in my life, though. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending your son to pay the price for me. Everybody in this room, just repeat this phrase. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Till next time, Orange County.